Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Scaling New Heights podcast. This week, I will again be chatting with some instructors from the upcoming Scaling New Heights conference, Orlando, June 4 through 7. And this episode is going to give you a sneak peek behind the scenes of Scaling New Heights and some of the education that we offer. And we've got a crazy theme for this year called Face the Yeti, and it's about these five different types of practice challenges, or you could say breeds of Yeti, that we must face to continue climbing the mountain. Becoming and remaining distinctive, building and leading a team, finding and retaining the right clients, staying current with technology, and today's topic, moving beyond bookkeeping and compliance, into the role of advisor. Now, if you're interested in those other four topics, we do have podcast episodes where we interview instructors from the upcoming conference about those other four types of practice challenges. But today, our guests are Gail Kersop and Robin Hall, two ladies who have taken their practices beyond compliance, beyond traditional accounting services, into a very strong value-added trusted advisor model. Before I get into the conversations with Gail and Robin, I wanna tell you about today's podcast partners, Neat, Smart Biz Loans, and Entryless. You can find out more information about Neat, Smart Biz Loans, and Entryless, powerful tools for you as an accounting professional at woodard.com slash podcast. Each of our partners have special offers for you as podcast listeners. All right, I'm excited now to talk with Robin Hall, who's, who has a different approach to moving beyond compliance and traditional accounting into the role of trusted advisor, a technology-driven approach. Robin is the president and principal consultant of VARC Solutions, and she specializes in QuickBooks and quick base training and consulting. Her specialty is taking small all the way to medium size and approaching enterprise level clients to the next level and teaching them to be self-sufficient with their businesses. She's an infrastructure consultant. She is a systems consultant and she is a process consultant. All of that with very heavy technology driven layers. She's also an award-winning consultant. She is one of CPA Practice Advisors 2016 Most Powerful Women in Accounting, Insightful Accountants 2016 Pro Advisor and Top Trainer Writer, and Intuit's 2016 Sales Excellence Award winner. All right, let's get to our conversation with Robin. So Robin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joe, I'm glad to be here today. Well, you know, we always, it's always a treat having you on. This is not your first time, and I know it's not your first time to Scaling New Heights. You've been teaching at Scaling New Heights for almost its entire existence, and, and you have a particular expertise that you bring to the table each time. It's, it's focused on a way you've moved beyond compliance and accounting and bookkeeping into the realm of software consulting. So as we've challenged the audience here today to tackle that particular category of Yeti, as we're calling it for this year's Scaling New Heights, that particular kind of challenge, to move beyond traditional bookkeeping, not past it, I mean, you do bookkeeping work, right? But 
to move beyond it, to expand into a broader sense in your practice, you've mastered this as well as anyone I know and better than most. So I want to ask you a few questions about that, if it's okay. Absolutely. All right. So uh, I'm just going to start in a broad way. You, you, what are the so unique challenges, and, and I will couple that with also opportunities, around supporting the QuickBooks software specifically? I want to narrow that down so we have time to talk about it. What are those opportunities and challenges unique to that model? So I, I think as time is progressing and technology is, is increasing and changing, not just on a yearly basis, but sometimes on a daily basis, that's the first challenge. And then also opportunity is keeping up with the technology. The next one is as Intuit's changing some of their focus from desktop to the online, there's more and more applications that are being built for the cloud and more and more businesses are wanting to move to the cloud. So being able to keep up with that, knowing what's good, knowing what's not, knowing what's secure, knowing when someone should or shouldn't move to the cloud. There's definitely, even as we're moving to the cloud, there's definitely a time and a place to stay on the desktop and being able to distinguish between those two and then being able to communicate that back to your client, why they should or shouldn't be and why you're telling them something then the rest of the ecosystem is messaging to them. Mm, yes, and, and the ecosystem as well as into itself, because a lot of that messaging is understandably around their Horizon One solution. And I love what you said about determining which way to go. The cloud is not absolutely the best choice. The desktop's not absolutely the best choice. It varies client by client. What are some of the types of clients you see more commonly slated for desktop? where you've recommended a desktop solution? So I've got um, manufacturing clients, clients that have a large accounting staff, people that have a large team that, that are in the system. QuickBooks Online is what I would consider more for the, the core accounting is in there. But if I've got sales reps doing quotes in there, if I've got manufacturing, if I've got build assemblies, if I've got very intricate and detailed accounting processes, especially heavy in the inventory. I'm going to try and keep them on the desktop as long as I can without going to the cloud because I think there's too many additional pieces that you have to tie in for everything that they need, whereas it's already really already built in as part of the product in the desktop. It's more self-contained, right. Now, do you ever see a time when maybe putting those pieces together is in the best interest of the client. There are some cloud solutions that manage inventory. When might you steer a client toward one of those that talks to QBO, QuickBooks Online? Yes. So when mobility trumps centralization, when I have a field truck and I need to, um, I need to get my inventory off of that field truck, then QuickBooks Online and an inventory add-on is a perfect solution. If I'm not having to do multiple warehouses, if I'm not having to combine and do assembly pieces, then I'm fine with that. Connectivity is really one of the decision points that we would go with. And if con connectivity is one of the top needs, then we would definitely look at QBO. And that makes perfect sense with it being in the cloud and now the strength of cellular networks. I mean, mobile devices are as connected as a local area network these days. And when when the shoe fits, right, put that shoe on. I want to get a little bit to the way that you manage your client relationships specifically. 
What are some of the proven strategies that you've come up with for tackling the beast that is software implementation? Yes, in every situation we have client management, but when it's cyclical work and predictable work, it doesn't require quite as much client handling skills as deploying new software. And I think that's the reason some accountants are a little fearful to step in. How, how have you tackled that? So I, I think there's three main things that we we try and do, and, and they're fairly large buckets. But the first one is trust but verify. Trust what your client is telling you, uh, but go ahead and verify that because a lot of times we've heard, oh, I only have a, a small bookkeeping needs. And then you go in and you find out that the needs are very different. So trust what they're saying, but then go in and verify it. The second one would be documentation is document everything that you're telling them and document what they're telling you so that when they go, oh, this wasn't how I wanted this to be. It's this is how we laid it out. This is what we decided what we were going to do. And we communicated that back and forth, which brings me to my third point, which is the communication. It's not enough just to do our job and to do it well, but if we don't communicate it back to the client, then they may not know. They're not, they have us because they may not go into their QuickBooks. They may not look to see what you did. If, if they sent you information and you updated it, unless you tell them that you've done it, your job is not complete. So trust what they're saying, but verify. Make sure that you have all your facts and your ducks in a row. Document what you're doing document who's going to do what and by when, and then make sure that that communication is um, done in writing, and then also communicate what you've done after you've done it. It's not just good enough just to do the job, but we have to tell them that we've done our job. Mm, Yes, and verify back, right? So we're verifying what they've said, and then we provide verification back in what we've done. I love that way you bring it full circle there. Robin, we talked uh, just a minute ago about the power of the QuickBooks Online integrated ecosystem of apps that might provide, say, field service connectivity in an inventory environment and cause QBO to stretch a little bit. But I know you're really good at leveraging that ecosystem strategically for your practice, too. One of the biggest objections that accountants will give me is with a tax return or with bookkeeping work, Uh, or with an audit, I have residual work. I don't have to resell every time, but with consulting, I'm working my way out of a job and the lifetime value of that client is a month or maybe even two weeks. Uh, How have you leveraged the ecosystem to overcome that problem? So I actually make a little bit of a joke out of it to my clients to put them at ease. And I tell them my job is to work myself out of a job. Now, what that does is it does the reverse. It actually makes them a little bit more comfortable. And now they're comfortable to come to me with whatever it is, whether it's QuickBooks or or something else, I become their go-to. And so maybe it's not a service that I offer, but then I open it up to my network and the people that I know that do that other service so that it's still filtered through me. And so I become their centralized hub of what to do next. So by telling them, if I do my job really well, then my job is to work myself out of a job. And it always has the opposite effect. I've never, I've had clients that I've had for 10, 12 years because 
they know that they can come to a trusted advisor. So I'm not just their QuickBooks consultant. I'm a trusted advisor. And even if I don't do that service, they know that they can come bounce the idea off of me and I'll at least point them in the right direction to go. And, and I love what you said about trusted advisor. Of course, that's one of Intuit's pillars of their firm of the future, as you know. And a lot of people assume when they hear that trusted advisor that it always means financial analytics. Now, you're very capable of doing that for your clients, too. But you've carved out a, an expertise in trusted advisor in the operational consulting side. And I believe that that's a form of trusted advisor, that, that it's a song that's been undersung in this universe, and it is as high impact, maybe even more so, because it's such a ground game and it's so highly relevant. It's, it's as high impact as the financial consulting that you would do through an analytics solution, or if you were to take on more of a, of a CFO kind of role. Uh, you're in a form, uh, an outsourced CTO, right? Chief Technology Officer. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. So about 10 years ago, probably my first cloud, and I say that with the air quotes, um, service that I offered was I learned about QuickBase. And so I brought it in, which is an online database. And so after I found the power of what QuickBase can do for a client, then when I would go out and I would be training them on QuickBooks, I would see all these spreadsheets or whiteboards and and all kinds of things that sticky notes on their desk and all kinds of nightmarish items and I would say what are you doing with this why do you have this what makes this how do you get this information to the next person and so what we did is it, it actually branched a whole other arm of consulting services for us and we'll go out and we've become efficiency experts and so we'll go out and look at their processes and help them with how their process needs to flow. Because as businesses grow, sometimes they grow so fast that everybody's doing their own thing. So their processes don't link from one to another. And everybody's building in their own department a silo of their processes instead of having company And then when that processes. person leaves, the process person leaves with leaves, them. Exactly. That process dies with them. And the next person has to come in and reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is we've become efficiency experts and built either help them with their process, whether it's just in QuickBooks, or maybe we've added on QuickBase and helped them go from A to Z. So we know from the time the phone rings until the time they deposit a check what their process is, and we help them from A to Z make that process more efficient. And that's not limited just to the back office. I mean, as, as an operational consultant, you're talking about touching all the operations of the company across all of its aspects, including inventory movement, job controls, docu uh, file management. Fi file management, warehouse controls, paperwork moving through warehouses, how sales are getting their CRM and their tracking of things. Um, Shipping, payments. I mean, you touch everything just like a CTO would. And, and, and I want everybody to understand what Robin, because I'm very familiar with your practice, Robin. When you're saying you're, you're, you're a process consultant, you're saying that you analyze the process, you standardize the process, and then you create technologies to manage the process. So it still fits within, yes, it's operational consulting, but it still has that strong technology backbone. 
And I think that's why you led with QuickBase because there are always process gaps between systems. And I've loved how you've kind of gone in and, and you know, threaded QuickBase into those process gaps so you can get from A to Z without any kind of manual leaps. That is, of course, if the client will turn you loose and let you, you know, do what you need to do. Absolutely. And I'd love to be able to throw in one example of, of what we've done here with the last couple of our implementations is dealing with salespeople. So salespeople have to call on clients. They have to know who to call next, why they're calling them. They usually turn in a weekly sales report of who they called on, what quotes they have out there, are they meeting goal, all of that. So we've built this so that as they're doing their work, as they're putting in their activities, as they're putting in their quotes, these these dashboards are already built. So we just talked to someone last week and we're going to take, I said, oh, this is your Friday afternoon of what you do. And it goes, no, this is my Sunday to prepare for my Monday morning meeting. So if I can give him an unpaid day back in his weekend, that's a game changer. Mm hmm. And then you're and then you're democratizing all of this process using technology as the tool for democratization so that if people do come and go and they inevitably will, you can hire, train and fold someone back into the process. And, you know, that that turns process and it turns individual knowledge into intellectual capital for the company. It's a powerful intangible asset. So. Robin, I, I could talk about this forever with you, but this is exactly what I hope to get from this conversation and what I hope everybody listening to the podcast would take away um, is there are various forms of consulting with clients and what you might think is QuickBooks Consulting. Let Robin, through this conversation and her breakout sessions at Scaling New Heights, let her challenge you to think beyond the limits of just installing QuickBooks and configuring a chart of accounts to a holistic approach of addressing the client's need as an operational consultant trusted advisor. You live that out, Robin. So you're not talking about any of this in an ivory tower. You're not going to teach about it from an ivory tower at Scaling New Heights. Robin's going to give you guys very practical skills. So go to her breakout. Watch for the resources that are going to come if you're listening to this, if they're not already at water.com slash podcast with some summarizations of what Robin's just talked about. And you can learn more about Robin and her practice at VARCsolutions.com. Robin, thanks so much for being with us here today. Thanks, Joe. Now let's talk about Gail Kursop. Gail is the CEO and president of Cursop Consulting. For 18 years, Gail's been working with the QuickBooks product line as a back office business consultant, entrepreneur, and national speaker. And during this time, Gail has actively participated in the technology-driven realignment of the accounting industry. Gail's goal is to provide her clients a better understanding of what technologies are available and how these technologies can improve productivity. Better processes increase the timelines of useful data and that allows her clients to make better management decisions. In other words, she's advancing her clients forward. She's not working solely as a historian. So let's get into our conversation with Gail. So Gail, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you, Joe. I'm really quite excited to be here today. Well, we are excited to have you, not just on the podcast, but is also our most veteran trainer at Scaling New Heights. And you've carved out quite the trusted advisor role in your practice, which of course is the theme for today's podcast episode. Um, We just heard from Robin how she's carved that out with QuickBooks Consulting Services and you've you've carved out a specialization and a brand around that specialization in financial analytics. Now, this one seems to be right at the heart of our listening audience, the accountants, the bookkeepers. Why do you as an accountant, why as a peer to accountants, do you challenge your peers to embrace this financial analytics opportunity? Well, first of all, thank you very much for the kind words, Joe. The reason I find financial analysis at the heart of what we do at 4700 Group is because if you asked three accountants to define financial analysis, you would actually get three different answers. If you asked three of your clients to define financial analysis, Two of them would look at you and say, oh, that's the profit and loss statement and the balance sheet. I truly believe that most business owners really do want to have a better understanding of their business, but they don't know how to ask. They feel like this is something that they should know. They feel that this is something that as a business owner, they should have a handle on but they don't know how to ask for it. They don't know the correct terms to use. So as a result, they don't ask and they're waiting for us to provide them that information. That in and of itself makes a tremendous opportunity for us to be able to move into the role of providing them financial analysis. That being said, we have to be so careful that we don't use what I refer to as accountantese. And that is, we have our own jargon. Financial analysis is a wonderful example of jargon that we use, and we assume everybody understands what that term implies. But we don't. It's different to each one of us, and it's different based on how our experiences have been working with our clients. If we can take the term and we can explain it in words that help our client understand it better, we have so developed a level of trust with our client because we're no longer speaking jargon. Instead, what we're doing is we are giving them words that they already understand. Gail, you're absolutely right. And when we brought, for the first time, small business owners to the stage of Scaling New Heights last year, in their very brief interview of only 10 minutes, this came up twice. I mean, at one point, one of the owners turned to the audience of over over a thousand accounting professionals and said, we hear you talk, we have no idea what you're saying. But what they craved every time that we would work with them is 
is not just financial analytics, because most of the time we have to interpret that, draw the outcomes, and just give advice to the client on what to do. But key performance indicators, how might a bar in New Orleans operate as compared to, benchmarked to its peers, right? Um, how, how in a general sense should a restaurant operate and what should be its cost of product, food versus alcohol, uh, and, and, and the average or median gross profit margin for the industry. You know, you know this as well as I do, Gail, small business owners have no idea how to run a small business. They just, they just know how to do their trade and it, it, it's up to us to fill in that gap. Can you give us a, another example? What have you run into in your travels uh, on a practical way you can use financial analytics to help a client? Joe, one example would be around lending. Most small businesses don't understand what their options are and having those conversations to let them know what their options are. And then if they're working with a bank, we know, you and I know, small business advisors know that what a current ratio is, but we don't need to use those terms with a small business owner. We can calculate the current ratio and what we can do is then explain what the results of that ratio are so that if the number's less than one, that this is going to be a red flag to the bank. We can explain, here are some things that we can do. We can prepare them for the conversation that the bank is going to want to have with them because their current ratio is not a positive for them at this point in time. So what all this does is we're showing the client the value of working with us. It's a crucial conversation that we can simplify and build that trust and that understanding that our clients so desperately want us to provide them. By explaining and helping them be better prepared. We're building trust. We're showing our clients the values of working with us. This conversation is crucial one, but also it's one that can be simple and a straightforward conversation. You're absolutely right. And, and Gail, when you took that sort of all the counting complexity of running the ratios out, did that heavy lifting for the client and just gave them the facts on the ground and the way they need to approach the bank or what they need to do before they approach a bank. You're right. You, you cut through it all and you get right to the actionable piece of information. And that's what the client is looking for in us. So you mentioned the current ratio and I know that we're not going to train our clients on how to run ratios, right? You just showed us it's the results of the ratios we analyze and then draw, determine, you know, behaviors or actionable results. But when you're, analyzing the financials for a client, what are some of the other analytics you look at? Joe, we actually have four different areas of analytics that we share with our clients. And as you know, we, we work in a niche market. We work in the legal industry. The four that we actually look at is the profitability, the operational efficiency, the liquidity, and the leverage. But we don't do all of them at one time. 
And we surely don't try to explain all of them to our clients. What we do is at different points in their business cycle, different ratios are important. So because we know our clients, because we understand the industry that they're in and what their business cycle looks like, we can actually draw on what would be the appropriate financial analysis for them at this point in their business cycle. So we just talked about current ratios and lines of credit. Well, that would be a very good example towards the end of the year when we're preparing them for the bank requesting these forms. At a different point in the year, maybe we need to look at profitability because in their business cycle, this is a more crucial time. They don't have quite as much business coming in their door. They have a much higher caseload, not as many new clients coming in. So we want to be able to exhibit to our clients that we understand that cycle that they're in and we are bringing the resources to them that they need at that point in time. Now, Gail, that is so well put. And and I think it's going to really resonate with a lot of folks listening in today who understand what you're saying. I mean, they studied uh, financial ratios in college just like we all did. Maybe they even use some analytic software. All right. But their biggest obstacle is uh, uh, transitioning from historian to advisor. And if they will, if they will grab hold of what you just said, you know, measure, determine results and simply communicate those outputs to the client with, with maybe one or two recommended courses of action. That's not intrusive. It doesn't mean that you're purporting yourself to be a CFO. It's, 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 it's not going to offend your client or strain the client relationship if you do that. And I know it sounds crazy, Gail, that some accountants would think that, but they do. And, and I think it's because, especially in the case of bookkeepers, society has told bookkeepers for decades, if not centuries, that they're in an administrative role. They're in an overhead role. They belong in the back office only. They do not belong in the boardroom. And you know, and what I want to do is sort of shout from the rooftop, bookkeepers rise up, you know, because, because they do belong in that boardroom. But the entry point to get there, you know, if you're a bookkeeper, tax preparer, CPA even, and you typically look only historically and not analytically in terms of outcomes and actions, um, there's a very easy path. You simply send an email to whoever can perform the action, the owner or some other executive in the company, and start the email with these words. I saw something in your financials that I think you should know about. Believe me, that will get their attention. <laughs> then, yeah, then, absolutely. then you just do exactly what Gail told you to do. You know, pick which one of these ratios you think has the most impact on the measurement of their business at that point in their cycle and tell them why it concerns you and what you think they should do in order to solve the problem. Look, they may not listen to you, right? 
there might even be a passing thought of, wait a minute, this is just my QuickBooks Pro Advisor. This is just my bookkeeper. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that they're even doing this for me. But, but most clients are gonna appreciate it. And the ones that want to look down on you like you've just broken the caste system, fire them. If they're never gonna listen to you and you can't affect change and you can't do what Gail's challenging you to do here, they've just told you, please fire me because I'm not gonna let you help me. And then you have nothing lost. You just replace them with a client that will listen. What do you think, Gail? Absolutely, Joe, absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. And that is, you're not going in with you know the two by four. You're going in and you're going to ease into this. You're gonna ease in with that email that says, you know, I saw something in your financials that I want to bring to your attention. You're not going to give them four or five different Don't results. Don't overwhelm you're them. Give them that one. one. That's one right. Thing. You're going to give them that one. And you're going to, because they do have to, you know, part of it is this is change for them. They're now seeing you in a different light. Yes. And, and that change has to be gradual. And I don't mean over six months, but I mean, you can't go in and say, I saw this and this and this and this. No, pick one that's appropriate for their business cycle right now, because chances are that business owner is going to be, oh, yeah, I was feeling that. Yep. You know, and, and because by the way, so it won't take but a few times of you going in mm -hmm. and offering that information that, that you'll turn the corner where you go from offering to where they go to asking and then once you get just a little bit into those waters, then it's time to say, well, you know, um, I've, I was just doing this because of my concern for my client and the fact that I'm a, I'm a caring accountant. Uh, but if we're, gonna, if we're gonna do this now on a regular basis, we need to formalize this role and add business advisory services to your bookkeeping package, right? But, but you, you know, and this is a Patrick Lencioni principle, you give away the business to get the business. Right. So just Absolutely. just go a little bit into that path, earn that respect, show the value, then draw the billing boundary and price accordingly. Um, that Gail, you've just given people a fantastic path to their first step on this journey to being a trusted advisor. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we're very excited about you doing more of this and your breakouts at Scaling New Heights. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for tuning in to today's episode and our conversation with Robin and Gail. For more information about today's episode, to explore other episodes in this podcast series, or to learn more about our annual conference, visit woodard.com. That's W-O-O-D-A-R-D.com. As always, we encourage you to stay tuned, stay connected, never stop learning, and scale new heights. <laughs>